First Master in the Life of Lazario de Tormes, author unknown. Translated by Clements Markham, 1830 to 1916. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. First Master How Lazaro Took Service with a Blind Man At that time a blind man came to lodge at the inn, who, seeing that I would do to lead him, asked for me from my mother. She gave me to him, saying that I was the son of a good father, and boasting that he had been killed at the island of Helvis. She told the blind man that she trusted in God, that I would not turn out a worse man than my father, and she begged him to treat me well and look after me, as I was an orphan. He answered that he would do so, and that he received me not as his servant, but as his son. Thus it was that I began to serve and to lead my new master. We were in Salamanca for some days, but as the earnings were not to my master's liking, he determined to go somewhere else. When we were about to depart, I went to see my mother, and, both weeping, she gave me her blessing and said, I shall see you no more. Strive to be good, and may God direct your ways. You have been brought up, and are now put with a good master. Farewell. And so I went away to my master, who was waiting for me. We went out of Salamanca and came to the bridge. There is, at the entrance of it, an animal of stone which almost has the shape of a bull. The blind man told me to go near this animal, and being there, he said, Lazaro, put your ear against this bull, and you will hear a great noise inside. I did so, like a simpleton, believing it to be as he said. When he felt that my head was against the stone, he raised his hand and gave me a tremendous blow against the devil of a bull, so that I felt the pain for more than three days. Then he said to me, This will teach you that a blind man's boy ought to be one point more knowing than the devil himself, and he laughed heartily at his joke. It seemed to me that in an instant I awoke from my simplicity in which I had reposed from childhood. I said to myself, This man says truly that it behooves me to keep my eyes open, for I am alone and have to think for myself. We set out on our road, and in a very few days I showed myself to be sprightly, which pleased the blind man, and he said, I can give you neither gold nor silver, but I can teach you much in the way of getting a livelihood. It was so that after a few days he showed me many things, and being blind himself, he enlightened and guided me in the ways of life. I mention these trifles to your honor, to show how much knowledge men must have when they are down, and to keep from falling when they are exalted. Speaking of the good there was in my blind man, your honor must know that since God created the world, he has not made a being more astute and sagacious. In his own line he was unequaled. He knew a hundred or more prayers of the choir. He recited in a low and very tuneful voice. He put on a devout and very humble countenance when he recited, without making faces or gestures as others usually do. Besides this, he had a hundred other ways and means of getting money. He knew how to make prayers on different occasions, for women who were childless, for those who were about to bear children, and for those who had married unhappily, that their husbands might like them well. He foretold whether a woman would have a boy or a girl. In the matter of medicine, he said that Galen did not possess half his knowledge for curing toothaches, fainting fits, or illnesses of mothers. Finally, no one mentioned what pain or illness he or she was suffering from, but he told them at once, do this, you should do that gather such an herb, take such a root. In this way he went with all the world after him, especially the women. 
they believed whatever he said, and from them he drew great profits by the arts I have described, for he gained more in a month than a hundred other blind men would in a year. I also desire that your honour should know that in spite of all he acquired and had, I never met a man so avaricious and stingy, insomuch that he nearly killed me with hunger, depriving me of the necessaries of life. I tell the truth, that if by way of subtlety and cunning I had not found a remedy, I should many times have succumbed to starvation. With all his knowledge and experience, I managed so well that oftener than not, I got the best of it. On account of these matters, there were infernal rows between us, of which I will relate some, but not all. He carried the bread, and all the rest of his things, in a linen knapsack, closing the mouth with an iron chain, having a padlock and key. He put in and took out his things himself, using great vigilance, and he kept such a close account that there was not a man in all the world who could have taken so much as a crumb without his knowing it. Well, I had to take the Lazar's allowance which he gave me. It was all dispatched in less than two mouthfuls. After he had locked the bag and was not looking out, thinking that I was attending to other things, by a little unstitching I often opened one side of the bag and sewed it up again, bleeding the avaricious knapsack not only of bread but of good pieces of bacon and sausage. Thus I watched for convenient times to make up for the infernal wrong that the wicked blind man inflicted on me. All that I could pilfer and steal I carried in half blancas. When they paid him for saying prayers for them, they gave him a whole blanca. But as he could not see, I had got it in my mouth and put a half blanca in its place. Before his hand had reached it, quick as he was, so that he only got half price. The evil-minded blind man complained when he found that it was not a whole blanca. He said to me, How the devil is it? that since you have been with me they only give half blancas, and before it used to be a whole blanca or even a maravede that they gave me. The ill luck has come with you. So he shortened up the prayers and did not give them more than half, ordering me to remind him to stop by pulling his sleeve. Then he began to cry out that they had called for such and such a prayer from him, such as he used to recite, and that he had given it. The blind man used to have a small jug of wine near him when he dined and quick as thought I gave it silent kisses when I put it down for him. But it was not long before he noticed the loss in what he drank, so he never let the jug out of his hand, but always kept it by him. However, he had no magnet to point to what went on, while I had a long oaten straw which I prepared for this need of mine. Slipping it into the mouth of the jug, I sucked up the wine to my heart's content. The old rascal, being very astute, suspected something. So he put the jug between his knees, and, covering the mouth with his hand, drank in security. Seeing the wine go, I craved for it. The straw being no longer of any avail, I hit upon another plan. I succeeded in making a tiny hole in the bottom of the jug, and stopped it with a small piece of wax. When dinner time came, I pretended to be cold, and got between the old man's legs, to warm myself at the poor little light we had. With the same light I melted the wax, and very soon a little fountain began to drain into my mouth, which I placed so that I should not lose a drop. When the poor old man wanted to drink, he got nothing. His astonishment was expressed in curses, devoting the wine in the jug to the devil. You cannot think that I have been drinking, uncle, I said, for you have not let the jug out of your hand. But he gave the jug so many twists and turns that at last he found the hole. He said nothing. 
Next day, I was sucking at my hole as usual, thinking no evil, and little dreaming of what he was getting ready for me. I was seated on the ground, taking in those delicious draughts, my face turned up to heaven, my eyes half-closed the better to enjoy the toothsome liquor, when the wicked blind man took his revenge. He raised the jug with both hands, and with all his might sent it crashing down on my mouth. Poor Lazaro was quite off his guard, being careless and joyous as at other times. Truly, it seemed to me as if the sky and all that was in it had fallen upon me. The blow was so great that the pieces of the jug cut my face in several parts and broke my teeth, so that I remain without them to this day. From that time I wished evil to the cruel blind man, and although he was kind to me afterwards and cured me, I saw very well that he enjoyed my cruel punishment. He washed the bruises and places torn by the bits of the broken jug, but he smiled as he did so, saying, What would you have, Lazaro? If I wish you ill, I cure you and restore you to health, with other jokes which were not to my taste, when I had only half recovered from my wounds. I now wanted to free myself from him, thinking that a few more such blows might free him from me. He was not much inclined to see to my health and welfare, and even if I had wished to forgive him the blow with the jug, his evil treatment of me from that time would have prevented it. Without cause or reason, the malignant blind man was always beating me and knocking me about. If anyone asked him why he treated me so badly, he told the story of the jug, adding, Think you that my boy is a little innocent? Well, listen and judge whether the devil himself could have played such tricks. Who could believe that such a small boy could be so depraved? Then they said, chastise him in God's name, and he never did anything else. So I led him by the worst ways, seeking to do him harm, taking him over stony places and into mud. He always beat me on the back of my head, so that it was covered with bruises, and although I cried out that I did not do it on purpose, but only because there was no better road, he did not believe me. Such was the astuteness and intelligence of the old ruffian. In order that your honor may judge of the cleverness of this knowing old man, I will relate one thing out of many that happened while I was with him. When we left Salamanca, his intention was to go to Toledo, for he said that the people there were richer, though not very charitable. He repeated the saying, The hard man gives more than the penniless man. We took the road by the best places, where we were well received. It happened that we came to a place called Almorox at the time of the vintage. A grape-gatherer gave us a bunch out of charity. As the baskets are knocked about, and the grapes at that time are very hard, the blind man kept the bunch in his hand, and, to content me, he determined to have a banquet with it, instead of putting it in his bag, for on that day he had given me many blows and kicks. We sat down in an enclosed place, and he said, now, I am going to treat you with liberality. We will both eat this bunch of grapes in equal shares, and it shall be in this way. You take one, and I will take another. You must only take one at a time, and I will take another until it is finished. In this way there can be no trick. So we began. At the second turn the old trader began to take two at a time. As he had broken the agreement, I thought that I ought to do the same. Not content to do as he did, I began to take three at a time. When the bunch was finished, he sat for some time with the stalk in his hand. Then he said, Lazaro, you have deceived me. I would swear to God that you have been eating three at a time. I did not eat so, I declared. Why do you suspect me? 
Would you know how I am certain that you took three at a time, he replied? It is because when I began to take two at a time, you said nothing. Though only a boy, I noted the cleverness of the old man. But to avoid being dull, I will leave out many things, both curious and remarkable, that happened to me while I was with my first master. For I wish to come to the leave-taking, and with that there is an end of him. We were at Escalona, a town belonging to the duke of that name, lodging at an inn. The blind man gave me a piece of sausage to roast. When the sausage had been basted and the toasted bread on which the grease was poured had been eaten, he took a maravedi out of his bag and sent me to fetch wine from a tavern. The devil put the temptation before my eyes, which, as they say, is how a thief is made. There was also a long piece of coal-wort on the fire, which, being unfit for the pot, ought to have been thrown away. There was nobody but the blind man and myself, and I became very greedy under the delicious smell of the sausage. I only thought of present enjoyment, without considering what might happen afterwards. As the blind man took the money out of his bag, I took the sausage, and quickly put the coal-wort to be cooked in its place. When my master handed the money to me, I took it, and went for the wine, not failing to eat the sausage. When the sinful blind man found the coal-wort in the pot, of which he knew nothing, he thought it was the sausage, and bit it. Then he said, What is this, Lasaro? I said, Have I not gone for the wine? Someone else has been here and has done it for fun. No, no, he cried. That is impossible, for I have never let the pan out of my hand. I then turned to swear and swore again that it was not me. But it availed me nothing. From the cunning of the cursed blind man nothing could be hidden. My master got up and took me by the head. Presently he began to smell me, and forcing my mouth open he put his nose in. It was a long pointed nose. What with the turn I had, the choke in my throat, and the fright I was in, the sausage would not stay on my stomach, and the whole thing came back to its owner. The evil blind man so worked my inside that the half-masticated sausage and the long nose came out of my mouth together. Oh, Lord, who would not rather have been buried than go through that misery? The rage of the perverse old man was such that if people had not been drawn there by the noise, he would not have left me alive. They took me from him, leaving his few hairs in my hands, and his face and throat all scratched, which he deserved for his cruel treatment of me. The blind man related all my misfortunes over and over again, including the story of the jug and of the bunch of grapes. The laughter was so loud that all the passers-by came in to see the fun, for the old wretch told the stories of my misfortunes so well that even I, ill-treated as I was, could not help half-joining in the laughter. Remembering my troubles there came a weakness upon me, but my stomach recovered, and the landlady of the inn, with others who were present, washed my face and throat with the wine that had been brought to drink. This enraged the wicked blind man, who declared that I would cost him more wine with my washings in one year than he could drink in two. Lasaro, he said, you owe more to the wine than to your father. He got you once, but the wine has brought you to life several times. Then he counted how many times he had torn and bruised my face, and afterwards cured it with wine. If there is a man in the world who ought to be lucky with wine, he added, it is you. Those who were watching me laughed a good deal at what the old man said, though I dissented. However, the prognostications of the blind rascal did not turn out false. 
and afterwards I often thought of that man, who certainly had the spirit of prophecy. The evil things he did to me made me sad, though I paid him back, as your honour will presently hear. Seeing all this, and how the blind man made me a laughing-stock, I determined that at all hazards I would leave him. This resolution was always in my mind, and the last game he played confirmed it. On another day we left the town to seek alms. It had rained a great deal in the previous night. It continued to rain in the daytime, and we got under some arcades in that town so as to keep out of the wet. Night was coming on, and the rain did not cease. The blind man said to me, Lazaro, this rain is very persistent, and as the night closes in it will not cease, so we will make for the inn in good time. To go there we have to cross a stream which will have become swollen by the heavy rain. I replied, Uncle, the stream is now very broad, but if you like I can take you to a place where we can get across without being wet, for it becomes much narrower, and by jumping we can clear it. This seemed good advice, so he said, You are discreet, and you shall take me to that place where the stream becomes so narrow, for it is winter time, and a bad thing to get our feet wet. Seeing that things were going as I wished, I took him out of the arcade, and placed him just in front of a stone pillar that stood in the square. Then I said to him, Uncle, this is the narrowest part of the stream. As the rain continued and he was getting wet, we were in a hurry to get shelter from the water that was falling upon us. The principal thing was, seeing that God blinded my understanding in that hour, to be avenged. The old man believed in me and said, Put me in the right place while you jump over the stream. So I put him just in front of the pillar and placed myself behind it. I then said, Jump with all your might so as to clear the stream. I had hardly finished speaking when the poor old man, balancing himself like a goat, gave one step backwards and then sprang with all his force. His head came with such a noise against the pillar that it sounded like a great calabash. He fell down half dead. How was it you could smell the sausage and not the post? Oh, oh, I shouted. I left him among several people who ran to help him while I made for the gate of the town at a sharp trot, so that before nightfall I might be in Torrijos, not knowing nor caring what afterwards happened to my blind man. End of First Master Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine.